Hello and welcome to Manageable Conversations, the podcast where we speak to leaders across industry sectors. In each episode, we discover what helped them in their career, how they stay sharp, and their tips for managers to get the best from their teams. I'm Farley Thomas, the co-founder of Manageable. We hope this podcast inspires you to be a great leader by learning from others. If you don't believe in yourself, you should not be a leader. You should be led, right, if you don't believe what you say yourself. Having that belief, though, in yourself with a large amount of humility, meaning that you are unafraid in being candid, right? You're unafraid in expressing your own truth, but you're nevertheless observant enough and willing enough to be able to accept that your truth may not be the actual truth. That's Lukas Schnettler, CEO of Kumata, a global tech firm he founded to help insurance companies assess health risks faster and better. In this episode, Luca talks about bluntness as a sign of respect rather than rudeness, owning your truth if you want to lead rather than be led, how an ecosystem of advisors helped him to be taken seriously, dedication to hard work as the route to success, and how failure showed him the importance of focus. Luca, welcome to this episode of Manageable Conversations. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I'd love to start by getting your sense of how you are as a leader, a CEO, your leadership style. My answer to it really would be one of one of progress and one of understanding who I who I am as well as a person, uh, which I think translates into what I am as a, as a leader. I don't think I'm I'm yet at the stage where I'm fully formed as a leader. I got to be you know I got to be honest, and I think my team members would say that as well. But I think I've developed certain characteristics which um, I personally identify as a uh, you know as a human with that I do in my personal life as well, um, and that I found very very useful in my professional life as well. And that's very much transparency and and and, and bluntness. Um, you know I really think that time is one of the most valuable things that we all have and I think being blunt helps you with managing your time correctly and I think it's a show of respect for other people that you engage with uh, and similarly it helps to bring clarity situations where you may not have had that before so I would say definitely transparency and, and, and bluntness are, are two key aspects that I've evolved into as a leader and that I would say even in my company now are the two main values that we drive and maybe one other thing to say also is um, I mean this is more of a general value but I guess it can transpire into into management and leadership as well which is perseverance so I do very much value that and I, and I think every time we hire someone or that we work with someone in our team um, seeing a high level of perseverance and grit combined with transparency and bluntness is sort of who I would work with very well and who I would really respect as a leader. Thank you Luca. Could you unpack what bluntness means uh, and maybe with an eye on the receiver because I, I guess I'm I'm mulling over bluntness potentially landing as rudeness. What I mean with bluntness is I would want to express my own truth. So what I believe as being the truth, it does not necessarily need to be the truth. I may be wrong and that's fine, but I would want to describe very much how I feel about that. So for example, if someone asks me of an opinion that I know the other person may not agree with, I would want to be blunt. And that means I would want to be saying that opinion, even though I know that other person may not agree with it. And I'd have the courage, so to speak, to do that. But that does not mean I need to do that in a rude way. I can say that in a very formal, in a very in a very respectful manner. So I, I, I think we need to you know, really distinguish between the delivery of what is being said and the actual meaning of what is said. Mm. And, and when I say bluntness, I really refer to the meaning rather than the delivery of it. Yes, yes. So I'm understanding it better as candid, honest, direct. Is there something we can learn from the ease with which you deploy 
what you call bluntness. And maybe if you care to speculate, why, why do people struggle with it? What is going on? Yeah, it's very interesting. I should say I don't know, right? But I, I have a few guesses. So let's start with why I think maybe some people struggle with it. And then also, to some extent, leading into how I think people can be more politely blunt, let's say it this way, or politely candid. So I think my career obviously has been a little bit different to, I'd say, most people's career because, uh, let's say, I've never had a corporate job before that, right? Mm-hmm. I've, I've never tried to cl- climb the, the corporate letter or anything like that. And I think to an extent, if you do that, now I'm saying that never having done it, but from looking at my friends who work at corporate and so forth, it seems to me like a relatively political environment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just about, like in my in my job, right, it's really about whether do I perform or do I not perform? Like, do I hit my revenue target? Do I not hit it? Do I hit my cost target? Do I not hit it? And I'm responsible to my investors who've ultimately given you know, me money, so it's less political. I could assume that in a large corporate, it obviously is about what you deliver, but it's also about, you know, the relationships you have, you know, go on with your boss or not and so forth. Mm. So maybe there is more of an aspect of, oh, I need to be a certain person depending on who I need to impress and so forth. Whereas for me, that was never the case because I was always sort of my own boss. Of course, I have my investors as bosses, but, you know, they let me go on with, with my vision within within obviously a set of targets. And if I hit them, then, you know, I can do what, um, what I think strategically is best. So I, I think that may be an explanation of why a lot of people struggle with it mm. because of maybe the environment that they're in. But I think the way to get out of it, I mean, this is, this is going to sound like the most stupid advice, but I think just have faith in yourself, right? Because being blunt just means, again, going back to an earlier point I made, expressing your own truth. Mm. And if you have confidence in your own truth, then you should have no problem saying it. Mm. And lastly, I think it also actually this is not, cannot be impl- influenced by you yourself, but it's the people you interact with. Because if you have people that actually are willing for you to say something that may be stupid and not see that as you saying something stupid, but you seeing as something that can help you to express your opinion and could have been a good opportunity to, you know, to develop yourself, then I think that sort of culture will mean more people speak up. It's also the leader's responsibility to some extent to create an environment that allows for bluntness. So to speak, yes. Staying with you as a leader, sometimes there's this dynamic that um, managers and leaders worry about, which is when they first start managing people who have a lot more experience than them. And it, it occurs to me, Luca, that you you clearly have had this uh, a lot. You've, um, you know, you started this business very early and you are in your 20s. I'd love to learn how you handle that dynamic. What makes you a CEO that people are wanting to follow? I, I hope people would like to follow me. And, and you know, although I have achieved a little bit, I, I do have to correct. I have, I have achieved so far very little. I, I need to actually step up. I realized I turned 25 uh, earlier this year. And it was the first time I realized, oh, you are getting older now. And I know this sounds <laughs> funny, but, you know, so I, I do need to step up. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, that's not the question. So, um, yeah, I think it's actually a very simple answer. So because we work in sort of the insurance tech industry, a lot of the people that work with me and that um, I work for, including our clients and so forth, would be usually people in their 40s, 50s that have much more experience than me. And the key thing is actually the realization of that of that last sentence I've, I've just said, which is that they have more experience than me. So I think the key thing, and I've, I've seen that throughout um, throughout the years of running this business now, is I've always been quite blunt with both my team, my clients and others that if they work with me, it means that I have a lot to learn from them. And that puts us mm. into a special relationship because in one sense, if we're talking about my team, yes, I would be there quote unquote superior. Nevertheless, there's been many times where on a particular topic, of interest, I would not be the expert in in that particular field. But the way that I thought about it is, let's take age out for a minute. 
let's say I'm their age, okay? And let's say I'm, I'm managing a, a, a big business as a CEO. I will have someone that will lead a specific team with an expertise that is also I have no idea about. But nevertheless, I'm the CEO and the person reports into me. And I always like to do it a little bit. I, I like to think about it in the same way where, okay, yes, I'm working with a lot of people who have way more experience than me. But let me not get scared of that. Let me see that as an opportunity. Mm. And the way I think I've really, and this is, comes back to my values, the reason why I, I, I really feel it wasn't a problem in the end is because I was transparent with that. I was blunt with that. I said, look, I don't know as much as you do about actuarial science. I don't know much about you know underwriting as much as you do, but I'm willing to learn. So if you explain to me those concepts and we work together on it, I'm sure we'll find some way, some, some way to make it work. And that has really uh, worked so far. I, I, I have many flaws, but I don't think my team would, would say they have a problem working for, for someone my age. And it comes back to that you know, transparency uh, being key and the willingness to learn. It sounds like you've actually been quite good at creating an ecosystem around you that uh, you leverage and you benefit from. What is that ecosystem? Yeah, I think there's never a need not to have an ecosystem, right? Like even if you're the most experienced person, right? Everybody lives in their own echo chambers. So having a pool of people to stress test your ideas, I think is always a, a sensible strategy, no matter how mm. successful, or old or experienced or whatever not you are. You know, when I, when I started the business, you know, I, I was... I was 19. And so when I started university and I started to realize quite quickly that that's not what I wanted to do, at least the course I didn't want to do at at that particular university, I knew I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. And I knew that there was no way for me to get any funding, any capital, any clients, any team members supporting me with the credibility that I had. And I think my way around that to surround myself by very, very experienced people who I sold, you know, a vision to and who believed in this and who then were not only helped me with potentially in some, ex- uh, in some cases capital, but more importantly, with their knowledge and their advice. So mm. we built a very strong board, we built a st- strong advisory board. And then ultimately, once we were growing a bit and we started to have clients, a very, very strong team. And again, it's, it's interesting how these conversations come back to the earlier points. Mm. And that, I think, has helped then not getting any sort of age-related questions. Mm-hmm. On the pace of growth and your momentum, Luca, I'm curious about how do you cope? You know, what are the release mechanisms for you? For me, I have been, I don't know what it is, but I just want to go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I mean, right now, you know, it's funny. And, you know, I turned 25 now, right? And I now, my, my, you know, my biggest problem in my mind at the moment is that I just want to grow our business more. I think we're we're way too small. You know, I think we're the, the problem that we're solving, what we're doing. And I, I, you know, I freak out getting older now and I, you know, I need to get more, you know, more success, more, more fulfillment from my life and all of this. So because of that drive that I have in me, I prioritize my life a lot around work. Now, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean I don't have any releases, but it does mean that I do sacrifice a lot. And so for me, I've always felt a dedication to hard work being a core, not the only one by all means, but a core ingredient for mm-hmm. that. Um, and I do think you can't have your, your cake and eat it. You, you have to sacrifice somewhere else in your life. You just can't expect to run a scale-up, an international scale-up, 
and still have all the fun and enjoyment in regards to partying and all of that that your friends do that may work a nine to five. Mm. It's a choice. Yes. It is a choice. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean, though, I don't do nothing. So, for example, what has helped me a lot is sport. I felt that has been something that I've been really picking up a lot. Now, you, you look at me, you say, really? But <laughs> yes, really. I wasn't doing that. <laughs> and then the other thing is I don't believe in having like 50,000 friends, but I have, and in fact, very recently, really started to value appreciate and treasure one or two very, very close friends. I actually, in the beginning of my career, I was much more extreme than now. I'd say like work is everything and you can't even have a single friend, blah, 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 blah. That I have learned to be completely wrong. I think it's very important. I don't need 50 friends and also personal relationships. So I've, I, I, I haven't had a girlfriend for over two years. Potentially that is moving in a different direction now. Who, who knows? Mm. Yeah. But I think those two social aspects of either having a close friendship group with a few friends or you know a, a partner is very important. Luca, turning to organizational culture, where are you taking the organization? You know, what if you had to characterize it, would you want people to talk about and, and say about Kumata? What specific actions or initiatives are you getting behind these days? Yeah, I mean, um, and again, it comes back to my, my, my core values, um, I think. And it's also dependent on the, on the type of company we run, right? So we are a, a, a scale up, right? So that, you know, I think if I'd run a big corporate, it'd probably be slightly different. But in the current organization that we work in, I would want people uh, that work um, you know, within Kumata to say it's a fair place to work and people are transparent, you know, people are you know, candid, so mm-hmm. to speak, which is, by the way, better word than blunt. Mm. And that, in a way, in, in, in one sentence summed up together, is that you are the master of your own within that company. So if you want to succeed in the company, you can do so. You're given all the opportunities. You may have to sacrifice certain things, you know, which anybody would do, mm. but you can come far and you will know that you have a fair environment. The one thing I would hate anybody to say in our company would be, oh, I've worked a lot. I've given a lot to this company. I, you know, and not just in terms of hours, but, you know, I fought a lot. I've really did a lot of out of the box thinking, but, you know, this guy likes someone else and therefore they got promoted. You know? mm. I, I don't care about who you are. I care about what you do mm. for the company and what you do to make us succeed. And if people really care about the company, really want to be on that journey, that's what I really, really would want to see and, mm. and, and what I really get behind these days. Mm. Understandable. And especially, as you say, in a scale-up environment, you need a lot of drive, collective drive. That's right. But if I may just say, but obviously within the circumstances of each person's abilities, everybody should be supported within their, you know, within their own boundaries. And I think that's fine. And I think that's fair. Um, and I found that once you're fair to people, they give you much more, mm. Mm. you know. And, and again, that comes back. I don't need someone working 12 hours a day every day. I just need someone to really care so that the hour that they work, they really do proper work. Mm. Have there been learnings from failure at all? Oh, yeah, like a lot. And, and oh, God, I mean, you know, I, now I'm going to say <laughs> a lot about my failure, which we can talk a long time about. But, yes, there have been. I think this actually links quite well to your question, which is uh, um, what have I, you know, what have we messed up or what are the failures and what have I learned from that? One of the failures, and I, I would say I wasn't the only one, but nevertheless was something I did, was when the, let's say, venture hype happened in around 21, I mean, yeah, we raised a lot. We raised 30 million in total, right? And so there was a lot of pressure to spend, 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 spend. And we did spend way too much. Now, we were lucky that, you know, we are a business um, with a good client base and, you know, we weren't necessarily 
you know, at a risk of death. But what the outcome of that was, was that we, we had a very, very painful process of, you know, laying off a, a, a percentage of our business, which was personally very painful mm-hmm. because, you know, it's not nice, especially I'm still young, you know, I'm 25, so it's quite painful for anybody. But for me, it was specifically painful, I would say. Mm-hmm. And that happened because we spent too much money. So one of the learnings was really only hire, only focus on what you need. Mm-hmm. I think that's also fair to the people. Mm. You know, I didn't do it. You know, I did it out of incompetence, you may say, uh, but I've, I've learned from that. And the other big thing is focus. And, and that's probably been my biggest learning. And again, that comes back to the money point, because when we had so much money, we tried to do a bit of everything. You know, we went right. into like, I think we went like 14 markets, right? Wow. Crazy as a company our, our, as small as ours, right? And the consequence of that was some things didn't work. Mm. And so when we had a, a bit of that realization, when we did the whole restructure, um, there were some not very nice elements of that, like some of the, the layoffs we've had. But on top of that, one of the, I think, quite positive developments that came out of that is we looked at every single deal that we were doing across the world and we were said, okay, we split them into three tiers. You know, Let's look at which ones are the ones where you have a an incredible use case, have some that have a you know, decent use case, and then what is making us some revenue, but we actually don't really believe in it. And once we split it up, it was quite interesting because we had like one opportunity that was a clear winner. Mm. You know, Then we had some, which we call tier two, like hedges, and then we had the tier three, right? Tier three, obvious, you know, forget about it, right? Tier two, we're like, maybe we pick one hedge just to be sure, maybe two hedge, maybe three hedge. And then we really focus on the, on the top opportunity. And that's done a lot for us. I mean, mm. we've, tripled our, our revenue, you know, we, we grew much quicker in those segments. And the team got happier because they were very, very clear on what is the strategy of the business and whether they buy into that or not. So the lesson of focus mm. has been a big one for me um, out of a failure of doing too many things and, and maybe not doing all of them properly. Are there some tips you would offer to somebody who is about to take on a leadership role? Instinctively, I'd probably, you know, uh, say one thing, which is probably quite obvious, but I really think it will change how people see leadership, which is just to believe in yourself. Mm. If you don't believe in yourself, you should not be a leader. You know, you should be led, right, if you don't believe what you say yourself. Having that belief, though, in yourself with a large amount of humility, meaning that you are unafraid in being candid, Mm -hmm. you're unafraid in expressing your own truth, but you're nevertheless observant enough and willing enough to be able to accept that your truth may not be the actual truth. Um, And I think if you can combine the two to be very authentic and to really bring across your views, but then also accept if which happens all the time, right, to anybody, that you've been wrong and then change your opinion as per what you then have been convinced to believe is the real truth, then I think you've got a winning recipe. I mean, what else do you want in a leader, right? Someone that's truthful and someone that's willing to adapt. Mm. Luca, I wanted to thank you very much for taking the time to join me today. Always a pleasure, Fali. Always a pleasure. If you enjoyed this manageable conversation, there are many other perspectives we offer our community of managers worldwide who coach, and individuals from all walks of life who benefit from being coached. That's all from me. I'm Farley Thomas. Until next time.